Hello and welcome to The Wanderings Podcast. I'm your host, Pedro Bonato, and I am a photographer and a musician. And in this show, I talk to people who have really inspired my work. And it is my hope that they will inspire you too. In this episode, I interview the person who is probably the most influential on me, not only becoming an artist, but maybe even most importantly, choosing to keep being one. She also happens to be my wife. My guest is dancer, choreographer, and teacher Jana Komarnitska, and we talked about her journey in the world of belly dance, which led her to the exploration of folkloric dances of the Near East and the spread of this art form throughout the West. So without further ado, here is my conversation with Jana Komarnitska. So I could not help but start the Wanderings podcast back after about a year out since the beginning of the pandemic, basically. It was no episodes and uh, I've been looking forward to interviewing one of the main uh, influences and inspirations of work and life, Jana Komarnitska which happens to be my wife, <laughs> and uh, so Jana. Uh, well, you don't know much about me, that's why I decided to interview Exactly! <laughs> it's like after six years of marriage, let's do this. So, uh, thank you for being in the Wanderings podcast for the first time. Thank you for invitation. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was, um, as you know, the podcast is about me like talking to people that I find interesting, that I find like uh, inspirational for my work in photography, music, and whatever else I'm doing. And of course, you have been one of the main inspirations for the last uh, six years since, I would say, my career really started, as I consider. But, and I know, of course, a lot about you, but it's so, I always thought, oh, it's kind of strange for me to interview you because I know it's like... They agree. Oh, they agree, <laughs> yes. But we're going to go through it. And uh, so we should first mention that I wanted to do this interview with you for a little while. But then when we got to this place specifically where we are, and if you're just listening on the audio platforms, I recommend that you go to my website and take a look and we're on social media because this is a beautiful, amazing room. I should give a shout out first that we are at the uh, Hena Hotel in Cappadocia, in uh, Guremem, in Turkey. And uh, they have this 300 year old room that uh, has been here probably since uh, Ottoman times and it's all decorated, it's all beautiful and it is available for shoots whenever you come to this place. And we spent basically since what, like... Yesterday noon? <laughs> yes, we've been non-stop doing content here, photos, videos, all sorts of things. And then I thought, oh, you know what, this is the room where I want to interview Jana, a dancer inspired by this culture. And then I thought, let's talk here. So maybe it will be stuff that I know already. Maybe it will be stuff that I have no idea about. So <laughs> yeah, we'll see. And you're blushing a little bit. So this will be an interesting interview. <laughs> so um, as the light starts going down here, so first of all, you should maybe do a little intro about what you do and uh, what you... So <laughs> that's a question. Uh, well, not really. Like I consider myself primarily a dancer that I have been doing for 
many years. Like I started dancing just as a like hobby since like four years old, but uh, in 2011, I graduated from my master degree in finances and I decided, no, not my thing. I actually want to dedicate life to dancing and specifically uh, Middle Eastern and Central Asian dances or belly dance. At that time, it was just about belly dance mainly. Like I did some folkloric uh, uh, studies and performances, but the main focus was belly dance. And in 2011, I decided to uh, go back to university. I went back to bachelor degree and uh, I originally I'm from Ukraine so at that point I tried okay let's try some other countries some international universities and it happened that I ended up in Canada in York University uh, doing the dance international dance program there and after that I ended up staying in Canada working there and uh, doing a lot of solo uh, performances gigs very actively for quite a long time <laughs> quite a good like five solid years for sure just living out of doing gigs and by gigs i mean performances at um, weddings restaurants cultural events the cool thing about toronto is that we have so much uh mixture there and there are communities from egypt turkey lebanon uh, iran iraq uh, uh, India, like from everywhere in the world, and for many of them, uh, belly dance specifically is um, part of their culture. So uh, this is something that I didn't expect going to Canada, that I actually will be doing full-time, not just like from time to time, maybe a part gig, but full-time. And eventually there I started developing also interest and work in folkloric styles more and more of, uh, again, Middle East and Central Asia specifically, like broadening uh, into that area. And with time, uh, basically with your encouragement mm -hmm. also, start uh, putting out uh, content online, specifically teaching content. And with, at some point, uh, doing it more and more and more, and today I consider myself dancer, although I'm not doing really uh, gigs anymore, but I'm still a dancer and I am, guess I can call myself content creator or like an fancy blogger, although uh, I'm and teaching. Yes, yeah. teaching, but content creation for teaching. So basically right now um, I'm dancing, but also hosting Yana Dance Club yeah. together with you and your help. Uh, online teaching pro uh, platform, hosting Belly Dance Live podcast, uh, where we have interviewed you <laughs> a year ago or so. Yes. Uh, and uh, uh, also doing some other like online projects. Yeah, cool. So that was like an overview of like all your like activities. But so let's go back to one thing. First, you said that you end up going to Canada, but from what I remember, you actually were between like Germany and Canada or like you were in between different places? I don't remember exactly. Not really. I wanted to have experience of uh, why not to try to study somewhere else in Ukraine because at that moment uh, I kind of felt like oh nothing really holds me in Ukraine. Why not to have this experience? 
I was considering one university in Ukraine that had a strong dance program, so I thought, okay, that probably will be it. But then I sent a bunch of applications to different countries, many in Europe, and most of them, I'm still waiting for their reply. <laughs> <laughs> if they have international programs or if they accept international students, how it works. So it just kind of ended up that York University in Canada, they have very strong uh, um, programs and support for international studies specifically and I also like the program and uh, um, it happened naturally like I sent to a bunch of places mm -hmm. including some in Germany in mm. Latvia I remember the university I also liked uh, but it kind of ended up being in Canada mm -hmm. cool and uh, and you should mention that you were doing like well, living in, in Ukraine and knowing you and knowing like the Ukrainian culture, uh, how much dance is a part of the culture in many ways, even more than in other places, just people like maybe for you that is from there, you don't realize, but there are dance studios in every single corner and these people that decide to go to dance yeah. can be like hip hop or like whatever, like or, or ballet. Like So sometimes like the teacher, the, the parents pushing people to do dancing, but there is a lot of people just doing from pole dancing to like belly dance. Like I've never seen so many belly dancers as they are in Ukraine. So there is a, a culture of dance in the country. So yes and no. Uh, like if uh, in general population like dance like not really like Ukrainian dance like nobody really does Ukrainian dance belly dance. In general population, it will be the idea like, oh, it's a girl with a belt shaking among tables for tips. So there is a lot of those connotations. At the same time, what you are referring to, there is this culture of neediness, I don't know how to say it, of having some activities. So for kids, parents will bring them somewhere, either to music school or to dance studio. That's how I studied. My parents brought me to actually Ukrainian folk dance club so kids will be involved in some activities and specifically for belly dance yes there is a boom of belly dance studios everywhere and it come kind of comes as a separate world that's why i say among general population belly dance like oh whatever it's not part of the culture at all but once you got involved in the belly dance world it's the whole universe with so many competitions like every week there will be at least one belly dance event, competition, or festival somewhere in Ukraine. And for organizers, good if it's just one. Usually it's like two or three, and people will be just going from competitions to competitions. Uh, it, parents will, these days, will approach it like, I don't know, like tennis. I, I think in tennis world or in ballroom, it's, I mean, for tennis, for sport, uh, families it's the same like the kid is dedicated to this sport so from one competition to another from one training to another in balladins in ukraine it kind of goes the same way and not only for kids because i remember the year that i was uh preparing to enroll in a dance program because before yes i was dancing but i didn't have like you know strong like I still felt like oh i need to prepare to go to university to give myself like extra um training so i found uh, a studio which was hosted by a professional former ballet uh, dancer but it was just his like let's say club let's say and he was given a training and for a year I was attending there and majority of people actually 99 percent were adults way older than me like up to like 40 some even 50s 
and they were really dedicated and uh, even we joked once one magazine wanted to do uh, some little report about this club because they were doing some article about like uh, after work activities that people can do or fitness options and they were saying oh ballet for adults uh, it's an option for uh, to get fit and then they send the uh, pictures from the class and the magazine replied no, no 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 we want pictures of your students we don't want pictures of professional dancers they did not believe that these people who didn't have any uh, background in dance didn't have any previous training they were coming and you like from their couple girls who came to this specific club then they're there in their 30s 30s not 20s not 15 not not teenagers 30s and seven in seven eight years they had amazing ballet training but that's the part of this mentality and dedication if you start being dedicated to something in ukraine you really go and push for it because these people were just every day after work and they accountants managers like bankers like really having regular let's say <laughs> normal like serious lives and after work they were coming for one two hours every day to have a training and have this guy former ballet uh, teacher yelling at you and like really <laughs> pushing and almost make you cry but push to make you work and bring your leg up or whatever you need to do and yeah mm -hmm. this exists uh, but why I said that dance is not really part of the culture in Ukraine? Because like right now we're in here in Turkey, we hear music everywhere. Mm. I mean, dance maybe not, but music, like people play the Turkish music from the windows, from the cars, they sing. So uh, the music is really part of the culture here. Mm. In Ukraine, it's not, not, not like this. Mm. Yeah, it's... Um I don't know. It's a very different impression I had, especially like not being of any of those cultures. Like even if you see here in uh, in Turkey, you don't really see like it's very difficult for us to find Turkish dances that are not for tourists. Dances, uh, yes, yes. So that's mo that's more of what I mean. Is like the the maybe like embedded in the culture you can't really recognize this, but like comparing even to. To Brazil, for example, that you'll have like samba, depending on where you are in the country, there will be a big uh, culture of, of dance. But even the studios we've been in uh, Ukraine, that they have dozens of rooms. And uh, it's like, if you would only find this, even in Canada, you would only find this either in schools, like for like, uh, like kids, or at university, you would never find a place where you can basically go and rent a studio to, to mm -hmm. dance. So it's uh, maybe, it, of course, Bella dance is a niche. Um, uh. This thing in Ukraine inspired a lot by uh, Russian ballet school. Because during the Soviet Union, I'm not sure early, I'm not that strong in history, but Russian ballet school is known worldwide for discipline, for importance, respectability, and uh, for like, this approach that this is something important. Mm -hmm. So that comes from that, that parents think that their kids need to have some, uh, not necessarily dance, but it can be music or art, but dance also is a big consideration for parents to bring their children. They don't consider it as potentially career necessarily, although these days, and specifically if talking about ballet dance, that changes a lot too, because parents saw quite a few famous ballet dancers from Ukraine and quite a few, let's say, mm -hmm. and who touring around the world, who 
so they consider that for kids it may be a ticket out to a good uh, life and like seeing the world touring all around so now they're approaching it differently but the spreadness of dance studios all around it's I, th I think in my opinion it comes from this like influence of uh, like uh, Russian mm -hmm. ballet school and it kind of not only goes into ballet but it spreads in other dance styles too mm. and uh, what so let's go back to the beginning because I don't know if I know that story that well uh, your first when you decided to go into belly dance mm -hmm. right so can you talk a little bit about that that was just a very like random story because i was studying in um, i started with ukrainian folk dancers then in a year or two i switched to ballet school and i was doing but ballet school not like full-time it was like actual government ballet school so you can continue as a ballet dancer later but it was like after school so every day after real regular school you go to ballet school and i was there for like five or six years then i got sick uh i could not do any physical training for a year and then after a year i kind of didn't i wanted to continue but i physically couldn't catch up with my current class there so it was a lot of psychological emotional like oh my god i cannot do what my friends uh, by the time are doing and it felt strange and then um, my parents also never considered that i will continue seriously with ballet etc so and switching of school so they took a decision that oh maybe it's time just to stop dancing and then how old were you sorry to i was uh, it was um sixth or seventh grader I was around uh, 12 or 13 okay. years old, mm -hmm. um, maybe, no, 12 or 13, something like that, maybe even 11, no, I think around 12, mm -hmm. more or less. and then after a few years of having absolute break from any physical activity, I again switched to another school that had way uh, less uh, pressure on curriculum, and then I was like, okay, I have time, and I was like, I want to do something else, I want to come back to some physical activity, because I dropped out of ballet and from swimming so i was like okay something and then i actually was considering finding a capoeira i was remembering even going through magazines and they had like uh, articles or announcements like of this activity and i was like okay where can i find a capoeira studio and then one day my mom comes from her she was attending some fitness i don't remember not zumba but uh, just general aerob um, pilates she was doing and one of the girls in the Pilates, she came to the class super excited and she was saying, oh my God, I found this ballet dance class. It's so amazing. It's so cool. And then my mom tells me, and I was like, you know what, can you ask a friend to just to, can you introduce me to, to that girl and to ask her to take me to one of the classes? Just because the girl, I actually it was my mom talking about words of girl and how excited she was. So I decided, why not to check it out? Then I went. And I remember it was winter, evening, dark, and the studio was in such a... Shady place? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> like at some point mm -hmm. we were going through like some arches to go into the inner yard, which is not very typical to the areas that I usually used to go in Kiev. Uh, and then it was broken windows and I had like this sensation like it's after war like where i am like it the main street was just two minutes ago <laughs> and then we go there and it's the small building that they rented the uh martial art 
studio so it's not even the floor it's like the soft mat and it's huge one and it's like 50 people in the room and that was the Paladin's class uh, so the girl was renting she actually didn't live in Kiev but she was coming every weekend because she got she got a demand from people in Kiev to teach Paladin's to study Paladin's with her so she was coming every weekend she was renting that space 50 people in a huge circle and she's in the middle in the center no mirrors nothing like that and to be honest the first class I didn't really like dance itself it felt I mean it didn't get me interested at all mm. like okay like something as unusual something is easier from like my general ballet background like I, f I feel like more little bit coordination although something really feels weird but what got me really interested and made me come back was the teacher. I just want to give a shout out to Olga Grichinuk. I don't know if she's still teaching or not, uh, and if she's still in Kiev or not, but she was also practicing yoga along with ballet dance, and I really just like the energy of person. Like, she was so calm and so feminine and I remember she was wearing very simple like a skirt with like a simple chain belt like no like you know heavy coins or anything like that very simple but I liked her presentation and how she gives the information and how she like the energy how she uh, just I don't know holds herself I don't know how to even explain and then I thought oh I want to come back just to I don't know observe like study a little bit I also was in the teenage years old like I don't know I was 14 or 15 then I started doing ballet dance so it was that you know like also transition for girl to uh, to find her more like mature <laughs> mm -hmm. uh, self and then uh, I came back and then I came back and then I came back and then I remember catching myself oh I'm already uh, in this costume together with the group ensemble and I cannot imagine stopping doing this. <laughs> <laughs> That's really cool. That's really cool. Yeah, I didn't know about uh, Olga, about your, your teacher. That's, uh, that's really interesting. And uh, yeah, so then you started doing that, like, so you started like performing and, uh, and learning ballet dance and doing all that. And we should mention that uh, your, we should talk about this, your red hair. Oh, right, right. Here. <laughs> so like I'm sort of like giving you hints of things that would be interesting and then uh, if I don't know something I'll, I'll mention sure. but it's like such an important thing on your uh, well, persona right so. now if someone watches through video I'm not that much with red hair because of the um, two or three weeks of uh, no actually uh, more than a month because even Istanbul was super hot but few months in Turkey and the sun I almost got blonde already <laughs> But yes, usually, typically, I'm with a very bright red hair, and uh, that's not my natural hair. Like I'm, would say, I don't know how brown? to say English, brown, dark yeah. brown, sort of like very typical regular color. And uh, um, I remember eventually with my dance training, a few years afterward, I already switched the studio that I was practicing with, and we were doing. Uh, some performances in the theater and stage and I was allowed to do a solo performance and I was doing that magical piece with I remember from Thailand from one of the trips with my parents I bought there like a peacock feather like fence uh, but very fancy one that reminded me like the harem scenes that uh, odalisks stay around Sultan and, and create a fan for him but 
uh, it was those fans and then I was uh, uh, putting together a performance about magical uh, bird uh, uh, that uh, evokes uh, in some magical place and it was a very like um, fantasy style piece with those uh, uh, fans, peacock fans. And then uh, the teacher just suggested like, hmm, you know what, like it's a fantasy like uh, story, like uh, why don't you try a red uh, wig to put? And uh, I got a red wig, I tried, I performed first uh, time that piece with that red wig, I looked at photos and videos and I said, I like it. Mm. <laughs> and since that, like I remember second time we were in the half a year or a year we were repeating the same program, concert program, and second time I was already performing without wig but with red hair. <laughs> <laughs> so in a way it was like a, a choice of uh, choosing your persona, in a way, and yes. incorporating that element of fantasy in everyday life, or do you think it's something like that? Uh, yeah, I like about thing, to think about stage performances as uh, creating a fantasy and not necessarily that you will perform as a bird or as someone like uh, else it can be just you but you still like it is a different persona like that you behave on stage or you present sometimes you're flirtatious sometimes you are um, more dramatic and sometimes you go to this fantasy world like your magical bird or I don't know fairy godmother or something like so stage gives this freedom of experimenting with different characters and uh, uh, not only in ballet dance but specifically it's also i think that comes a lot for me from uh doing folkloric dances because when you're doing folklore like for instance if you're doing egyptian saidia you do need to incorporate the character because uh, you're not Yana from Kyiv. If you're doing Saidi, yes, of course, part of you will be Yana from Kyiv, but you also need to understand the culture. What is Saidi? Where it comes from? Who would traditionally, typically dance it? So it's not just about like costumes or props or music. It's also about like character. And uh, so that's an example of like, okay, I'm not a bird. I'm a girl like dancing on stage. But if I'm performing, whatever I'm performing, I'm still a character. And in this case, it's just uh, um, dance. I think overall dance really helped me reveal certain parts of my character. Because I remember my very first, no, sorry, it was not the very first, but first what I consider like good professional or close to professional level performance. It wasn't even my choreography. It was choreography of uh, like my teacher at that time. And uh, I was doing it in a galabeya, which is basically a closed, very simple white closed dress, like nothing to do with belly dance, typical outfits, like, no, it's very closed. But it was very flirtatious and it was very like uh, cutesy girlish, but I remember first time I was doing it and I didn't realize, I was just doing it. I really felt it and I was just performing. But I couldn't understand every time someone watched me, either during rehearsal when I'm re like getting ready to perform or after the actual concert, everyone who knew me couldn't believe that I was dancing like that. Mm. Because I was at that point so shy, so uh, 
like silent, quiet always, always like on the back uh, parts. And that, that performance, which it was sexy, but there was nothing like visually about it. Like, like I'm fully covered. It's like pop song sort of <laughs> going on, but uh, without realizing it, it also helped me to, to open up in certain ways mm -hmm. and to, um, to explore. It was like very interesting, this idea that you were talking about being like covered by able to be this flirtatious person and basically on stage as you're saying like people saying, oh, is that you? Like is that transformation that certain kinds of arts uh, bring? But I think we should mention this because I'm very familiar with it right now. And uh, but I think for the audience, they when they follow my work in photography, they will see that I photographed many bell dancers, including you. And uh, and played for them in, in uh, a variety of uh, contexts. So maybe, and you were doing a lot of uh, comp uh, comparisons between, let's say, belly dance and then folklore as different things. So maybe talk a little. And I know that this will be a loaded subject because each dancer will have their own version of mm -hmm. uh, of the what belly dance is. So can you just do like a brief idea of like what belly dance is, and then what this folkloric dances? I think people sort of know that it's like the dances that people usually do in a specific place, but what the differences are, or like just, a, it, I know it's sort of all over the place, but the idea is like, maybe a little introduction of what belly dance is and how it differs from uh, folklore. Okay, so folklore is basically uh, traditional dances of the region. Each country will have its own folklore. Uh, if you're talking about Middle Eastern folklore, of course, each country inside Middle East and Central Asia will have your own folklore. But even within each country, there will be different folkloric styles according to regions. Like uh, north part of the country will have one region, uh, dance styles that are typical for this region. Another is, um, will have another. Folklore dances, they come from social dances. So it's people in the old times and villages or deserts or caves <laughs> wherever they are they were doing and developing now we of course talk about a lot of folklore on stage which is always adaptations but they are based on what people were actually doing uh, belly dance i mean some people i heard they also put it as a folkloric style the closest to let's say raksharki which is egyptian social dance it's not really a regional dance it's more like i don't know like in the western world let's say we are grooving on a party in a nightclub something like that like rakshark it's a version of uh, this like social dancing in in middle east it's not specifically like region it's a general name for like just just dancing around playing around uh belly dance sort of based on rakshark but belly dance in the form that we are talking about it right now and seeing it right now I feel it's more presentation dance so if people will be dancing regular people among themselves let's say in Egypt they will be doing raksharkia also by belly dance uh, I should say that there are different discussions and mm -hmm. some countries will use name belly dance some will say oriental dance some will say raksharki even if you're talking about performances uh, so I'm not taking like, you know, like ownership, oh, this is right or wrong. It's just here I'm sharing just my interpretation. But for me, always belly dance, it was a dance form based on the folklore styles. 
So it incorporates a lot of different elements, movements, even music uh, forms and if you have taken some element from folkloric music style, of course it will be corresponding uh, folkloric dance element from the same style, incorporated in belly dance. But for me, belly dance is typically a something performance presentation. In the form that we are seeing it right now, it came from early 20th century, from so-called golden era uh, period, uh, golden era belly dance period. It doesn't mean that belly dance didn't exist before, it just, it was shaped in the form that we're seeing it right now, in those times. Because before it was a bunch of folkloric dancers, folkloric troops that were performing, but they still were attempting towards specific dance styles, like Gabazi dance style, uh, or Almeyar, like uh, they were having their like, uh, dance styles presentations. And this I'm just talking about even Egypt just. Belly dance, it's believed to be originated, like in Egypt came from as a source, uh, but it's typical for many countries. Also, there are a lot of, let's say, I don't know, I almost want, consider like speculations about how old and ancient it is, like all belly dance is connected to ancient dances, uh, like from temples or like uh, like this. So I don't know exactly about it. Um, of course it is connected because it's based on folklore and folklore it's was old. at some point yeah. connected to or influenced each other with sacred dances of temples. So of course it's all connected. Also, if you're talking about feminine dance styles, of course there will be similarities because it's about hips. Like belly dance is very feminine, it's very sensual in its nature, uh, regardless of how you present it. But by definition, the movements that are there, the idea, the dynamics of like arm, hip, like work also, in all times it was more about hips rather than about arms. But anyway, uh, so of course there will be similarities, but was it directly originated from those dances? I don't know. And nobody really can know. Of course there will be some corresponding references, uh, but just by the nature of like this feminine movements that are natural, like hip swings, they not only existed in the Middle Eastern, like in India culture, it also, it was in different form and shape, there's more stuff, but, so I think overall for general audience, it's easy to imagine what belly dance is, <laughs> rather than to think, oh, what are the folkloric dances of the Middle East, I encourage to dig deeper on both topics for everyone who is interested, and uh, uh, there's, for folklore, there's a whole world and there's like hundreds and thousands of different styles that you can find across North Africa, Middle East, Central Asia. Well, don't think million, but thousands for sure. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and for Belladins, of course, the main uh, interpretation and uh, like image that general public can uh, associate with it's like two things. TV series Okloni, which got so popular <laughs> around the world, and Shakira, second thing. Although I also would encourage like dig a little bit deeper for those who want to see actual like performances because uh, those two things it they did I think great thing for popularizing spreading the world about this dance form but it's still it's just a scratch it's just the surface and some elements of belly dance that was that were put on media it's very different from like actual real thing what it is <laughs> mm -hmm. yeah it's. Uh... 
it's interesting that of course it's a dance that uh, depending on who you ask they'll have all uh, oh, this came from ancient even you interviewed some people in your in your podcast yes. that talked about they found uh, like one researcher I think he was talking about finding similarities to like the poses and dances even in like ancient Egypt times. Yes, like Dr. Hassan Khalil, I was interviewing him and he was specializing in researching like old cave uh, like carvings, uh, analyzing these poses of folkloric dances uh, of Egypt. Uh, so that's why I'm saying like there are different interpretations. I'm not taking ownership. Oh, this is like, right? This is what impression that I got and how I interpret like I don't know exactly how old and it also depends uh, from which point of view you look at it in the form that it is right now represented it's not that old but if you dig into certain elements of it I'm pretty sure it's very ancient mm -hmm. yeah it's sort of like when you see like especially dances and uh, songs how sometimes because they are passed from generation to generation that kind of uh, uh, and you see representation sometimes in paintings and drawings and things and uh, you can infer that those have been in that, that culture for for a long time but it also has like so belly dance has a lot of this element of um, specific i think what separates belly dance from um let's say folkloric dances in general is the let's say focus on the at least that's from my point of view so you see what you think uh, on the femininity element of it even if it is like a man dancing but it's more in that feminine element of it a feminine energy at least that's how i would interpret even today how i see it that is different uh yes and no there are some folkloric dances that are also about feminine energy and playfulness and very flirtatious but they are like let's say covered dresses and nothing i mean I'm talking about folklore dance from the Middle East, so they will have some similarities with ballet dance, but it's like ballet dance borrowed some elements from of those course. folklore things. Yeah. But I think another very, the one that I almost forgot to, to mention, uh, important difference between ballet dance and folklore dance is that by definition, ballet dance is a solo dance. The fact that we mm. put it as a group dance, this is artificial that comes from dance schools. Hmm. That they teach one dance to students and they want to put everyone on stage and then we do belly dance uh, as a group performance. Sort of Social like from ballet, right? Like that influence from ballet too. Yes, yes. But uh, that comes, uh, uh, if you look even in like Egypt and Turkey, whenever it's a part about folklore, there is a group. Folklore is a group performance. Once it comes to belly dance, you will not see multiple ballet dancers performing at the same time, the same routine, etc. Sometimes there may be some, I don't know, fun little moment collaboration somehow, but typically it will be one dancer, ballet dancer, and they may have a supporting group very often of male dancers, like in Egypt, doing some folklore elements, or maybe female, but they will be doing some very general basic movements as a background. But ballet dance is a thing, it's a solo performance. Folklore, it's as a thing, it's usually social, it's group, it's not even performance, it's mm -hmm. group dancing. Mm -hmm. And you got like, so, 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 the, so people can have an idea of what the ballet dance is and all that. And uh, there is, of course, all the, let's say, uh, years of discussions and studies to see what comes from where and what kind of a transformation it happens. So but there's always this, this connection between the old 
and the uh, and the new because the way it is done today right it's like the costumes especially from ukraine uh in russia that they have first of all so many dancers they have competitions of belly dance they have like leagues they have all sorts of things and they have um like this festivals where the people that practice belly dance in their local uh like schools they go to 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 learn from the big masters right so there's a whole like industry of uh, to showcase that for the like let's say to incorporate a little bit of that kind of dancing into the western world so how do you see like on your perspective what, how do you see belly dance in terms of these connections between let's say east and west and uh like as a i don't know spreader of culture or of like even for empowerment of female like uh, like goals and um, uh, like needs uh, how do you see belly dance basically what i'm trying to ask in a different way it's like uh, how do you see belly dance uh, the importance of belly dance in today's world you can approach this from a i don't know whatever personal point mm -hmm. of view or like uh, however you see it uh i guess there are two aspects to this uh question one is uh, the uniqueness of belly dance style itself because it's so close to feminine nature uh so movements are natural they're not natural whenever you try to study them and present them gracefully let's say in like performance manner but by definition like hip swings they're very natural for women like you will go to the dance club and you will move your hips in a certain way like not necessarily in the movements of ballet dance but it will be very close to it uh like this uh a lot of elements they're very E not easy they are uh, very natural. attractive like natural mm. and attractive like to to women so that's why mm. it got so easily spread around the world like i'm sure if we dig deeper pretty much any dance style has a lot of fans all around the world like of tango course. ballroom or ballet like any of them uh but belly dance it's one of the most uh close to this that's why there are so many speculations about belly dance connected to ancient dances. It just it, it incorporates so many elements that we imagine like ancient temple uh, priestesses, they're dancing, those dances like this. And belly dance is kind of incorporated. That's why it's so uh, calling to, to many women to go not only as a fitness uh, option, but also to kind of find and open their femininity and to explore it through ballet dance. So that aspect of it definitely helped to spread awareness and make it popular. And of course, it's presentation in uh, on media and how it was presented and all these elements that it adds like sensuality, femininity to you. So that all helped to really spread it and make it like, a, uh, like I don't know, like a dancer, uh, um, shiny, uh, coiny, uh, belly dance network <laughs> all around <laughs> the world. Um, but then what also happened, which I think uh, helped to spread awareness, at least in certain circles, about uh, folklore and about, uh, let's say, what we can maybe call authentic or uh, belly dance that is from original culture that for whom belly dance is a part of the actual culture, it's of course the these festivals and uh, festivals, events, competitions. But the fact that people 
wanted to take it um, in many countries to the different level, not just as a hobby, but they start finding friends, they start traveling around, and this uh, little network of people all around the world and creating this, uh, in some way, business, because it has a lot of uh, also not nice aspects of it, because a lot of events, they care about business aspect more than about like art aspect. Uh, both are important, but they need to go in collaboration always, if you're talking about uh, spreading awareness about art, etc. But in any case, uh, this phenomenon of having so many ballet dance festivals, there are so many artists, ballet dancers, who have the whole career just traveling around the world from one festival to another, teaching the thing. And this idea of festivals also, I think, help to spread around the world about spread the word about Egyptian teachers and Turkish mm -hmm. teachers and te teachers from the actual countries because it first got picked up and developed into these dance schools and even the teaching style how we teach now ballet dance it was more like a western thing so someone mm -hmm. who went there to Middle East picked up something then tried to reteach and influenced a lot by western dance educational system but now it kind of like we all as well dancers look back to what is happening in Egypt, what is happening like in Turkey, mainly in Egypt as a like main hub, but also Lebanon or uh, Arab Emirates, like what's there. And uh, again, it's, it's quite phenomenal that so many dancers now just live, like I know so many successful internationally known dancers who never did restaurant or wedding gigs, where originally that comes from it's like performance entertainment for those occasions for like old style cabarets uh, many family style cabarets uh, where the whole families will go to as their like evening uh, uh, at the end of the week like entertainment or weddings then families will invite ballet dancers to come to the event mm -hmm. but today we have so many ballet dancers who never had experience of performing at those events but they're known they're active they are beautiful dancers, successful, and going just from festival to festival teaching it. Yeah, and um, I guess that's a, a good point to mention that it's this mix with, uh, let's say, the, even the performance element of it is already of a Western like influence in a way, uh, or at least made for Westerners sometimes. Like, of course, not necessarily because if you have the this uh, golden era times, which you have like movies in Egypt, which were made for Egyptian audiences, but at the same time, there is that carbaret element of it that it is by definition something Western. Uh, so. Yes and no. I would say putting ballet dance on stage, yes, that comes from Western culture, but ballet dance as a performance, uh, that's not really Western because original dancers were invited as performers to different events and celebrations. The only difference that it was it's not just people were sitting and watching them and clapping. There was a lot of interaction part. So there was part that it was just them dancing and showing their skills and, uh, I don't know, uh, representing music mm -hmm. uh, with their musicians. But also in all times, there's way more interactive part between audience and dancers. So this separation between who is on stage and who is in the audience was less... Uh, uh, strict. I mean, at some points it was just all mixed. Mm -hmm. That's what we see even today is at weddings, Egyptian weddings. Yeah. There is a performance part and then there will be most likely 99% <laughs> uh, 
interactive part uh, yeah. and people like this collaboration but at the same time ballet dance as a performance i would not say it's completely western thing ballet dance as a performance on stage just as a performance clapping at the end and then leaving and changing to another costume Influenced even by that i'm not exactly like can say that it's exactly like uh western thing but one influence that definitely came from west in that in the golden era times it's basically 1920s uh, uh, around that time there was famous cabaret uh, of Badia Masabni very important figure in um, switching ballet dance uh, like directional influence because she got a lot uh, of dancers to train uh, she got them ballet influence too veil was introduced mm. it was not typical really for um, ballet dancers those times but it was introduced as an intro and usually they were just walking with it and dropping and then keep performing and now we imagine oh ballet dance with veil all around the whole dance is like with this fabrics around it's not actually really typical for traditional um, ballet dance how it used to be uh, even a century ago just like that yeah and just one thing that i think it's important for us to mention like just to like when i mean like influence from the west or something i'm not saying that oh this came from this place or that place i'm not trying to label places mm -hmm. i'm just like the influence today it is a worldwide phenomena yes. and then it will like of course like breeding like it will intermix ideas from uh, from different places well today we not only it's a worldwide phenomenon but today we're also talking about russian style ballet dance argentinian style ballet dance Brazilian. like yeah. not only about traditional like you know egyptian style ballet dance, turkish lebanese uh like uh, i don't know etc but we are talking about countries that it's not part of the culture ballet dance but today because of this festival communities and popularity and of course people then they learn it as a something new to them that is not part of their culture of course they will somehow bring their own mentality and culture in it that's why we talk not only about like styles of specific dancers but also country-wise styles because people in their own country they have certain mentality they have certain uh, lifestyle and that influence how they will uh, let's say mix it with ballet dance or what kind of personality they will bring into ballet dance even the kinds of uh, even costumes like when people go on your social media and take a look and then see other kinds like how there are some people they use very let's say intricate super like glamorous as if you're like wearing a jewelry like uh and others that super intricate diff like detailed work that is i assume something very new and in the sense it's not hundreds of years old it's like 50 at most and you have certain things that are like those coins and uh, like those coin bras and like more let's say almost hippie style that it seems mm -hmm. to be like possibly way older even comparing to like orientalist paintings or things like that so it's kind of interesting to see how the breadth of cultures like always uh, uh, whenever you think of traditional okay but traditional from what time right yes that's true yeah costumes uh, they of course evolved uh, and they became different like two-piece costumes that we talk about bra or top and skirt this is relatively new thing but at the same time even at all times if you look at folkloric costumes they're so intricate and mm -hmm. so some styles are so like much embroiderment and so many layers mm -hmm. and this jewelry is traditional so um but of course they involved uh, and they evolved today we have like designers uh, 
from different countries and each country will have their own style of typical designs that they produce and then they go and mix typically in Egypt because that's the hub for main like dancers and still in Egypt ballet dance is a part of culture like of regular people which is also in a, another interesting mm -hmm. like subject to talk but even costumes there will kind of mix and then you see every like two three years there is different fashion for costumes mm -hmm. and sometimes it's something Egyptian sometimes you say oh that was influenced by that country definitely mm -hmm. so I ask about this uh, uh, about the costumes just because it is so interesting to me to see that like in ballet dance the visual element of culture is so important right like um, even as, a, as the example that I we were actually recording this and it's like my big camera stopped and stuff so we had to like recreate what we're talking about but basically i was mentioning that uh i remember you wanted to take some photos that were like in this beautiful spot and had this like element of fantasy of this harem look almost and then suddenly i was like oh this looks like an orientalist painting right and then i thought oh it would be cool to do a whole series of photographs mm -hmm. and then you ended up doing um like all these photos of with uh, performers from all over the world recreating this orientalist painting styles and I was mentioning also that like when you go to Turkey and you go to to Egypt as you went like how these paintings are actually part of the spot of the places because they really at least capture some element of um, at least a nostalgic element or like mysterious or something like that but I mentioned the costumes because in ballet dance and it's not just like we we got together like because you have posted one photograph like this Cleopatra look with the, actually black wig yeah. but, <laughs> <laughs> but like you got like this uh, like you got very into like creating photographs that have this let's say it's let's say the visual part like on a still photograph of like the meaning of the dance or at least the like the fantasy or the way you feel and all that and that's something that is sort of universal with belly dance that is it goes way beyond uh, just taking photos to promote your dance or to go around it's part of the culture that people really want to create sometimes it's more of um, let's say different styles of photography that go into it but it is very much a part of the culture to have photography as a means of artistic expression mm -hmm. so how do you feel about that either for, approach this as either personal or the way that you like uh, that you see in the culture i don't know uh what came to my mind is right now one of the interviews that i did for Baladis life podcast i was interviewing shahrazad and she said very she put it very nicely she said that we as ballet dancers we bring happiness to people when we come to celebration like we create this emotion so that was the association like oh we are we bringing happiness to people as a rest of their regular day-to-day -day lives problems is the moment that they can just take away their mind at the same time i think that for ballet dancers for many people who got involved in ballet dance ballet dance itself is that rest from their regular normal routine day-to-day -day life so whenever it's something related either to performance or to photo representing them as a ballet dancers it's always something that people tend to uh, to approach as creating some magic there mm -hmm. uh, and uh, thinking about not just opposing like you know a touristic photo somewhere 
uh, I think that changes for many ballet dancers once they start doing ballet dance. Whenever they go traveling, they just don't want to post and having something in the background. They want to have some pose <laughs> to transform it into some story, into some magic moment, uh, which for m many people who got involved in dance, the dance is that magic, uh, magic spot. So mm. that I think also influenced the photos. So it became not that just ballet dancers do it, but it's very close to ballet dancers approach it as a creative uh, thing that what we were talking on stage you are with certain character so dancers they want to get another opportunity get extra opportunity of uh, creating this magic not only on stage or in dance but also in photos too because as on stage they with certain character they bring the same approach to photos mm -hmm. yeah the um, at least to me the the way that I see, it's like there is this, at, at least from my observation of, uh, of dances throughout the years and our interactions, it's like, it's sort of like this call to, let's say, this ancient idea of femininity, and not even ancient, it's like this archetypical idea of femininity that is through dance can, re can be represented, and also like, sort of like this exploration of ancient, and this exploration of, let's say, things that were, whenever, um, in terms of femininity, is being like, push down you try to get out of uh, that oppression in a way and so, so sort of like a, a tool for, for a tool for self exploration from from that way and i think that's why it's so fascinating even even to me even today even after uh, so many years so i guess we should uh, end this first interview i hope people will find it interesting and know why uh, you got so uh, uh, important in my life and I want to publicly uh, like, no, just uh, <laughs> thank you for being a part of my artistic journey and for being such an amazing partner and uh, if people want to know more about your work they should go where? Well, social media, I'm Instagram person for sure so Yana underscore dance I'm pretty sure you probably will include links <laughs> to the video so it's very easy to find me there also checking our not only social media but Yandens club it's our mutual work although mostly i appear there on screen but it's also bringing educational content for people who are interested in exploring ballet dance so probably some of listeners may get interested now at this point so that's the place to check out and thank you for inviting me for interview i'm happy to be part of your wanderings podcast thank you <laughs> thank you dear so that's it for today's show thank you for listening to the wanderings podcast you can find show notes and links at pedrobonato.com podcast if you like the show, I would love if you could share it with your friends or leave a review on iTunes. If you want to get in touch with me, you can find me on all social media at Pedro Bonato. I would love to hear from you. You can find my photography work at pedrobonato.com. The music for the Wanderings podcast is provided by the Blue Dot Ensemble, a music and dance group exploring traditions from all over the planet, where I am one of the founders and the lead drummer. You can find us at bluedotensemble.com. So tune in next week for another show. Until then, I urge you to keep following your curiosity and I'm looking forward to our next wanderings together.